Happy New Year, KCSS listeners. This is your host, Chanel, back with season two of Women in Media, and I'm super excited to share that my very first guest of the new year, 2022, is none other than indie music publicist from Chicago, and that is Stephanie Marlowe, and I get to speak to her about her beginnings in the industry, how she got started, and also the soundtrack that really was a pivotal moment in her life, and it's cult classic for me at least the crow we discuss about the soundtrack and underneath what you're hearing right now is nine inch nails cover of joy division's dead souls which is featured in the movie so that's for you stephanie and we get to talk a little bit about more of her work how it's healthy to take a mental break when you're an independent publicist i hope you enjoy this interview with stephanie on the valley's true alternative 91.9 kcss how are you good you know i just want to first say thank you so much for joining me on my women in media podcast and being my first guest for the new year i'm happy it's me i'm happy to be here thank you for being flexible with scheduling and whatnot too we're into this new year i know everyone's goal does the new year's resolution have you set a new year's resolution for yourself personally or even for your own business professionally i think that my goal this year is just to be a little bit more focused be a little bit more intentional um, with everything that i'm doing being more careful balancing my release schedule for both my own mental health and also for like the benefit of my clients because i pay super close attention and detail to making sure that certain releases that i'm working on aren't going to cannibalize another one if that makes sense like whether it's you know genre you know label whatever i'm just trying to be extremely intentional with how i lay things out for myself and for my clients so that was something going into this year that i was like okay this is the year that I'm going to make sure that I don't like a kill myself with work and be, you know, do the best job that I can. Yeah. I like how you said that you have to also check yourself for mental health because last year I kind of started doing this on my own. I was doing it for another blog, but I wanted to kind of reach out to bands myself, kind of be my own publicist in a way. And I was booking bands like every single month. And I felt like I wasn't even taking a break and it is kind of exhausting at times because like I don't have someone doing the work for me I'm doing everything by myself so I'm reaching out through emails I'm researching about the band I'm listening to their music and then trying to book a date when to interview them so I was just like oh I'm like I need to take a pause for yeah. myself yeah I completely understand that take a breath pump the brakes <laughs> <laughs> another thing that I did for my previous job I was social media associate so if anything, I learned how to be a great stalker on, yeah. <laughs> on social media, but I was going through your social media. And I think what we have in common is that we have a huge appreciation for the crow. I'm wearing a crow shirt. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, but I say this with complete sincerity. The soundtrack to that movie changed my whole life. I was going to mention that because I did read that you love the soundtrack. And mm -hmm. I have to say, are there any other movies like soundtrack that kind of like inspired you to do what you do? I mean, honestly, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if any music necessarily inspired me to do what I do, like one specific piece of music. But the soundtrack for The Crow, like that was 
came out when I was young. And the first time I heard it, it was just like, I did a 180. I've always leaned to like, you know, darker music and darker themes, et cetera. When I heard that soundtrack, I was like, I love every song on this. This totally speaks to me. This is also opening doors to like these worlds that I didn't know existed. And from there I got into like punk rock and hardcore and heavy metal and whatever else. So as far as inspiring me to do what I do, I would say no, but as far as kind of, you know, steering me into the direction where I would eventually end up a hundred percent. Yeah. Rest in peace, Brandon Lee. I've been hearing rumors that they've been wanting to like make a remake or a reboot, but like every time like plans like fail, like they always get a new director or like casting doesn't work out. So I don't know. I don't think they should touch the original. I mean, they made so many sequels already. You know, what's so funny. I watch, I rewatch that movie probably once a year, you know, and I'm like, it's perfect. Why would they need to redo it? I think they should just let it lie. I know that you grew up in Chicago. That's where you're from. What else inspired you? Like, like, tell me more about the music scene. You know, what bands were you listening to? So it all started with the Crow soundtrack. There was a venue here that's no longer operational. It was called the Fireside Bowl. And this was in like the late nineties. It was essentially like Chicago's like CBGBs or, you know, whatever, like legendary punk rock club. And I started to go there. I was like 15, I think when I went to like my first punk show and I was just immediately hooked, right? Like it was a thriving local scene at the time and it still is just a bit different, but you know, I just kind of immersed myself into that culture and scene, you know, kind of made friends with everyone, learned everything that I could. That's where I like, I had never made my own zine until I saw kids making their own, you know, and handing them out at the venue. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. So I started to kind of dip my toe into everything. Eventually became friends with like a bunch of promoters, writers, and just got connected there. And then I got my first job in the music industry in Chicago. It was a label that doesn't exist anymore. It was called Victory Records. I worked there for like five years and I started off just like answering phones and doing super basic work, but I was so passionate about music that I wanted to get my foot in the door any way that I could, you know? So I just started doing like receptionist work and then eventually kind of got promoted, got to learn a lot from like the publicists there. And then after I quit, I went off and started my own independent company, worked for a bunch of different labels on my own, and then ended up moving to Boston. Um, I lived there for a few years and that had like a similar, or at least I immersed myself in like the similar music scene there is what I had done here. Made a bunch of friends, eventually ended up meeting my husband, which is funny. And yeah, and then moved back to Chicago, God, eight years ago now, I think. And it's funny, like some of the people that I met when I first started going to shows are still some of my closest friends now and they're still promoters and they're still writers and they're still, we're all kind of doing the same thing. So it's pretty magical. Awesome. I love how you network because I think this field, that's exactly what you have to do to make it. And Mm -hmm. I did hear about your job at Victory Records. You know, we live in a society where they kind of teach you and mold you. You're like, okay, you have to go to school. You have to graduate, get a degree and then find your job. But you did it backwards. So you left school to pursue this career. Did you ever go back to school? You know, I haven't, it's like a bucket list item. I'm like, you know, I want to finish my degree and all these things. I just got lucky and ended up getting a job. So I was like, I'm just going to quit school because I'm getting offered to do what I'm going to school for and want to do. But with my work schedule, it's like, I just don't have time. And also at the end of the day, like sitting in my office, the last thing I want to do is sit in my office on like online school. So maybe some point in my life I will finish. But for now, I mean, I just, aside from like, you know, just regular general education, 
I don't think I need any more, at least in like the field I'm in. So <laughs> you did a smart move because I honestly wish I did something similar to what you did. I did the school route and then it took me forever to like land a job. So you seize the opportunity, you seize the moment. So anyone listening to this podcast, just like if there's an opportunity that comes and you're hesitant, like go for it because you don't know when that chance is going to happen again. Totally. You have to take chances. And if an opportunity presents itself, jump on it because you never know where it could lead you to. You know, if it's something that you've been working towards, just say, you know what, I'm just going to make it happen. Yeah. Exactly. And I did also listen to another previous interview that you were in and you talked about how you would sneak to different shows. What shows would you sneak out to watch? When I was in school, my parents were like, you're not going to go downtown and go to this club for the show that starts at like nine o'clock. You're 15 years old. You know what I mean? So I would just say that I was, oh, you know, I have like a school project and I'm going to go to so-and-so's house. And they were like, okay, we'll just make sure you're home by this time. And this is like when you could smoke inside. And I would come home like reeking of like cigarettes from this like trashy venue I was at. Fortunately, my parents never called me out and I was really good in school. So they were just kind of like, okay, whatever, do your thing. But thinking back on it now, it's actually quite funny, but you know, like if you want to do something so bad, you just do it. And look at me now. I'm glad I did all that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's really shaped the person who you are right now. And I wish I was going to shows at 15. Like I think I started going to shows by myself as an adult in college. Honestly, I felt like people were rubbing their face that they were going to Vans Warped Tour. And I was the one that's like, you know, was just going to school, being a good student. And so now I have like that freedom, well, except for the pandemic. But like now I have this freedom where like, oh, wait, I could actually enjoy shows now. (laughs) I'm glad that you're really invested into the music scene. And, you know, you're also invested like local community wise. Have you ever thought about like going big? Because you could be doing publicity for like major artists. You know, everything that I work on, I have to love because it's disingenuous if I'm pitching something or talking about something and I don't actually care about it. So when I say that I like cherry pick my release schedule and do things that way, it's completely true. Like, you know, I'm sure I could go after clients or, you know, bigger bands or different bands, but if my heart isn't in it, then I just don't feel right doing it. And that's what keeps me connected. And that's what keeps me, you know, working from my, when I wake up till I go to bed sometimes, you know, it's because I really do love it. And I care about these people as, you know, artists and as human beings. And for our listeners out there, can you like list some of the artists that you represent? Sure. I do publicity for the entire roster of Death Wish Inc., which is a record label co-founded by Jacob Bannon of Converge. I also do publicity for the entire roster of a label called Southern Lord, who's from Los Angeles. I mean, they have, their roster is extremely diverse. It's like bands like Sun, who are one of the loudest bands I've ever heard in my life, to someone like Anna Von Housewolf, who is a multi-instrumentalist and pipe organist. So, you know, it's like super interesting stuff. A label from San Francisco I work with is called The Flenser. I do like their entire artist roster. And that's another super eccentric label where it's everything from like electronic music to heavy metal. I work with a bunch of bands on Deus Records, who's also from California, like Drab Majesty, Death Bells. They're really wonderful. I work with this band from Japan called Boris, a lot of people might've heard of. They've been around for like 30 years. They're super legendary and they have a new record coming out on Sacred Bones, which is from New York. I could go on and on. I have so many different labels and clients that I work with and in different genres of music, which I think is really interesting. And I have, you know, clients from coast to coast and all around the world at this point. Awesome. I love Drab Majesty.
Now you're talking about like, you know, being young and staying connected and networking and, you know, how close is too close? Like, you know, how do you set boundaries where like, Hey, I want to be professional, but I also like want to like form a connection with like these artists. At this point, I mean, most of them have just become like my personal friends. I mean, we're not like, you know, necessarily like gossiping or whatever but like this might sound weird but I don't think that I set boundaries because I let you know I get really close with the people that I work with again because I'm so invested and I want to care about these people and I want them to care about me and we have to have a close relationship where we can communicate openly and honestly whether if it's something is not working or something is working or hey I have this crazy idea let me run it by you like I like to be able to have those super open lines of communication you know going back with like you working with artists and labels you know, from coast to coast, how do you get a hold of like these like labels? Like, it's just like a cold email, like saying, Hey, I'm Stephanie. This is what I'm about. Like, I would love to represent you. Like, how do they trust you in giving the roster to you? I've actually never done a cold call or a cold email. All of my clients have come to me and it's usually from like word of mouth referrals. My first client, when I went on my own was my friend was label managing the label. And he was like, Hey, our publicist quit, you know, will you do it? This was before I even thought of starting a PR company. And I was like, I did publicity at this other label I worked at for five years. So why don't I just do it for you? And that's what's literally started it all. Someone asking me to do it. And then from there, you know, people either saw what I was doing or, you know, saw the bands that I was representing all over, you know, be it the internet or like print magazines. And then it just kind of snowballed. And I've literally never had to cold call anyone, which I feel I'm so fortunate for that. And I love that my clients trust me and refer me to other prospective clients. It's really, I'm extremely fortunate. 
that's fantastic, right? You're like the go-to girl. They're like, no, you could definitely trust and rely on Stephanie. She'll get the job done. Yeah, like talk to my friend, you know? <laughs> yeah, and then I feel like, you know, you're kind of building repertoire because, I mean, I started off doing like the, the cold emails and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden I get random emails from different publicists. I'm like, wait a minute, like th- this is definitely not the same publicist I was in contact. So I think they just like forward my information. So I'm some sort of like in a cycle, I guess, but it's pretty amazing how well you get to know people. It's like, I mean, that's how you have to get started. Like, for example, on the flip side of that, like a lot of my job, aside from like the writers that I'm already like tight with or people that I've known for years and years doing this, I do a lot of cold emailing all day, you know, trying to reach out to writers that I think could be interested in a band that I'm working with or might want to go check out the show that's in their town. And they have no idea who I am, but that's how you build a relationship, right? Like you have to reach out and then hope they reach back to you and then just stay in touch. So yeah, like I said, on the flip side, most of my job is a lot of cold calling and emailing. When you coordinate an interview, because this has happened to me where like I try to book an artist and then their publicist is on the call with me. Are you one of those publicists that would join in the conversation? Honestly, it depends on the artist and if that's something that they're comfortable with or would request that I do. Typically, no. I think that, I mean, a lot of bands that I work with have been doing it for either a long time and they're super comfortable or, you know, trust my judgment when setting up interviews. So typically, no, that's not something that I do. Now, I know that you coordinate the interviews, but do you also like do interviewing yourself with these artists, getting to know them? It depends. So if I'm like working with like a new client, if they don't have like an artist biography done, that's something that I will from time to time write. But every time I do those, it's essentially like interviewing a band because I'm like, okay, I need to know what you're about. I need to know what the record is about. I need to know what's behind X, Y, and Z thing. I need to know about the recording process. And that's also a really good way to like really get to know like the heart and soul of your artist is like writing an artist biography. And so in that way I do interviews, but aside from that, typically no. You're running your own publicity label and What are the benefits and the challenges doing that? Balancing workload can be challenging because it, you know, it is just me. I'll have like an assistant here and there, depending on what I'm working on. So aside from like the day-to-day work, you also have to think of like, this is going to sound so lame and boring, but like getting my taxes done. Monthly, you know, bookkeeping and invoicing and all those things on top of what I'm already having to do. So sometimes I, one of my challenges, at least for myself, is that I, not to sound lame, but I work too hard and I have to like peel it back a little bit. And again, that's like my intention going into this year was try to be like a little bit gentler with that stuff. So sometimes it's it's hard to turn off when you work for yourself, but I wouldn't change it for the world, honestly, because I just, I love it. I like working for myself. I'm a hard worker and I'm very accountable, sometimes to a fault. It can be fun sometimes. <laughs> now, what advice would you give for someone that wants to pursue what you're doing? So I would say someone who would like to be, uh, to work in music publicity definitely go after it, chase it, get involved. I mean, like we talked about earlier, just staying connected with people and knowing people, you know, at least in your community, like know the promoters, know the writers, you know, read the blogs, read if you have like an alternative weekly newspaper, like pick that stuff up, fully immerse yourself in it and get to know these people. And then like, you know, if there's ever an opportunity, if someone's looking for say an intern or like a copywriter or something, your name will pop into their head and they can say, oh, so-and-so wants to get in. Like, this is a good, you know, kind of ground level position and you know also be nice to everyone that's like the biggest piece of advice I could ever offer be nice to everyone don't piss people off because you know you want someone to refer you you want someone to talk about you and and as far as 
advice I would give for someone who was thinking about starting their own business, just take it slow. Don't think that you don't need to be the biggest and best right away. Take things slow, you know, learn your way through it. And then eventually when you get to the point where you're like a bigger operation, you're super prepared for it and you could handle these things and you're not going to drop the ball and do a good job. This is something that I'm kind of interested in, although it's, I think it's a very tight network. So I'm like trying to find like the door to get in. But, you know, with all the artists that you represent, have they been successful where they've gotten like a music sync in like television or movies? Yes. I'm trying to think of some of the bigger ones. So that's like not something that I do. Like usually the labels will hire a separate like sync company. But yeah, there's been numerous artists who have like popped up in like commercials or TV shows or whatever. And I think that's super cool. Actually, if I think that if I wasn't a publicist, I think that I would love to be a music supervisor because the idea of like picking the most perfect song for like the most perfect scene in like a show or commercial or movie is so interesting to me. And I think it's something I would really enjoy. Yeah, it's a complete skill that you have to have as well as being a publicist. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you would like to add to talk about yourself, you know, and the artists you represent? I think that the, the last thing I would mention is just, you know, support underground music, support, you know, your local communities, your local scenes, buy independent music, go to shows as soon as it's safe to do so. Because, you know, I've been missing live music, but I know it's been even harder for my bands who have either tried to go on the road and then it gets canceled or somebody gets COVID or can't get on the road because every time they try to book a tour, it just keeps getting canceled and canceled and canceled. So once live music comes back, I think we should all make a plan to just go to as many shows as we can because we need this art, this community. So, and I always say that music heals and I'm already like booking shows, like on my calendar, like, Oh, got to see this one. And most of our bands that I've interviewed. So I want to also show my support. It's one thing to like, Hey, let me like have you on my podcast. It's like, no, I'm really a fan of your music and I'm going to go out to your shows to show them a fan. Yeah, you're like, I'm a real person. I <laughs> I do things besides my podcast. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think we have a mutual connection on LinkedIn. Joshua Wilding, he's also from Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does the digital tour bus stuff. Yes, yeah. yeah. I had him on my podcast too because I was just so fascinated with what he does and how he started, you know, being this producer, being this founder, picking up a camera and then just kind of randomly emailing, you know, bands like, can I do this? And all of a sudden it became a show. Totally. I love the content that he makes. I remember when he started, he would like reach out to me and be like, oh, you know, you have so-and-so playing at this venue. Can I do this interview? And I was like, sure. And now it's gotten to the point, well, when shows come back that I pitch him and I'm like, oh, hey, I've, you know, X, Y, and Z band playing at the empty bottle on this date. Can you shoot them? And he's like, yeah, let's do this kind of interview or whatever. It's super fun and like original what he's doing, like personally and professionally, like I super duper appreciate it. So I'm going to check out that podcast. Is there any questions you like to ask me? Sometimes I like to flip the script. How did you come up with the idea? Like, did you want to just like kind of highlight women in music? How did you come up with the concept? Yeah. So I, in San Francisco state, I took a woman in media class and I was like really invested with the subject. And so I was doing just like artists interviews and I'm like, okay, I need to take a break from that. And so I'm like, you know what? I really want to highlight women in media. I started off interviewing with my teachers who were journalists. I ended up starting to branch out and I'm like, well, let me like, I have a lot of female publicist connections. Like, let me put them on the platform and give them a voice. It's nice too, because for a long time, the music industry was definitely like a boys club that has changed a lot over the years. And it's really, it's wonderful. Okay. Women rule the world. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Give us the microphone. (laughs) 
Well, thank you so much, Stephanie, again, for your time being flexible. Awesome. I'm so glad that we got to meet face to face too. Well, I hope you KCSS listeners, whether you're attending CSU Stanislaus as a student or you're a community member, that you take some insight from what Stephanie Marlowe, independent publicist in Chicago, had to say about being a music publicist. And a big thank you to Stephanie Marlowe for being my first guest of my Women in Media podcast for this year. And here goes another song for you, Stephanie. This is The Cure with Burn Off the Crow soundtrack. It's one of my favorite. And The Cure does play this song live. So hopefully when they drop their new album and they go touring again that they play this. Another song that was played earlier was Dolls in the Dark by Drab Majesty. Just another artist that Stephanie Marlowe represents of her many rosters. Well, that wraps up the show for Women in Media. Thank you again for always tuning in. We have more guests coming for season two other than that hasta la vista from your host chanel on kcss